The new year is here, which means it's time to start new habits and make those yearly resolutions. Mine this year was to get healthier and improve my quality of life, which is why I want to talk to you guys about Noom. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all and don't take into account each person's individual needs which in turn doesn't really set you up for success. Those workout plans you pull from the internet don't think about your individual dietary restrictions, medical issues, or other personal needs. Noom does all of that before building a tailor-made plan that works for you and your lifestyle. It doesn't try to restrict what you eat and never shames you for wanting to treat yourself. And unlike before, I feel the motivation I need to succeed and none of the frustration that came with other plans. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy wherever books are sold. If I asked you right now to list all of the subscriptions you pay for, would you be able to? I really thought my answer to that question would be a resounding yes. But with the help of Rocket Money, I was able to find some sneaky ones I must have forgotten to cancel before the free trial ran out. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting slash kid subscriptions, though they all seem like really small amounts, when pulled together, that's a pretty big chunk of your spending money out the door. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Do you like your paranormal with a small dash of comedy? Hillbilly Horror Stories is just serious enough for the hardcore paranormal enthusiasts, but entertaining enough for skeptics or non-believers. Each week, comedian Jerry Pauly tells his wife Tracy a story about a haunted location or an unexplainable event. The fun part is that Tracy has no clue what the story is, so you get her genuine reaction as she asks the questions that you are probably thinking yourself. Sound like something you'll love? Then head over to wherever you listen to your podcasts and start listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories today. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder. Some people are born into the spotlight and into a world where their every move is watched and every action scrutinized. On May 16, 1990, the son of a famous actor made a choice that would change his life forever and end the life of another man. A crime that, given who his father was, was all anyone could talk about. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Christian Devi Brando was born on May 11, 1958 in Los Angeles, California to his father, Marlon Brando, and mother, Anna Cashfee. Marlo and Anna met and began their affair in 1955, only to get pregnant a year or so later and tried to make their family work by marrying in 1958, only to divorce a year later. 
This meant that Christian, like a lot of other children of divorce, was shuttled between both homes while the divorce became increasingly more hostile. Soon, he was a pawn in their vicious 12-year custody battle, and his mother's uncontrollable temper and constant drug and alcohol abuse became a major issue for the young boy. Eventually, Marlon won full custody when Christian was 13 years old. But by the time he got settled into this new arrangement, the emotional damage was already done. This, of course, wasn't helped now that he was being primarily raised by his emotionally and physically distant father, who spent more time on the sets of movies and in the company of women than at the house with his teenage son. Christian spent a lot of time going back and forth between Teddy Aroa, his father's private island near Tahiti, and Hollywood, while his father brought home his revolving door of women and fathered a number of other children. In 1972, his own mother took advantage of this absence and kidnapped Christian while Marlon was in France filming, bringing him to a gang of friends in Baja, California, Mexico, and promised them $10,000 to hide him away. However, when she refused to pay, they took him and hid him away from her, forcing Marlon to hire a team of private detectives to find and rescue him. When they located him, the young boy was living in a tent and suffering from bronchial pneumonia. Anna was arrested near the Mexico border for drunk driving and disorderly contact, and Christian was back in the sole care of Marlon. Eventually, Christian dropped out of high school and began drinking heavily and abusing LSD as well as following in his parents' footsteps and picking up the occasional acting gig before deciding he didn't want to be in the spotlight anymore and ran away to Washington State. Marlon was supportive of his son and eventually bought him a remote cabin where he could practice his art and visit his father at his Hollywood Hills residence. In 1990, Christian's half-sister Cheyenne had been dating a man named Dag Drolet, who had flown from Tahiti to Los Angeles to spend time with her and stay at Marlon's home in Hollywood. While Marlon had known the Drolet family for years, this was Christian's first time meeting his sister's boyfriend of four years and the father of her baby, whom she was about eight months pregnant with at the time. On May 16, 1990, Marlon and Cheyenne had dinner at Musso and Frank's when she confided in her brother that Dag had been physically abusive, a statement that, to this day, many argue whether true or not. Regardless, she continued her tangent and her brother listened on, getting angrier by the second. The pair returned to Marlon's home on Mulholland Drive at around 11 p.m., where a drunken Christian confronted Dag about the abuse allegations. Tempers flared and at some point, Christian picked up a gun with the intention of scaring Dag, only to begin fighting over the weapon and accidentally shot him. At least, that's the story he told. When the police arrived, they found that Dag had been shot in the back of the head and had a box of cigarettes and a TV remote still in his hands. Christian, who was adamant the whole thing was an accident, would later say he felt like a chump for believing his sister, that her mental health made him question if she was even telling the truth. Christian was immediately arrested and brought to trial for the murder where famed lawyer Robert Shapiro represented him. The trial was, to say the least, a media circus. And though he was originally charged with murder, prosecutors were unable to proceed with those charges because Cheyenne had been admitted into a psychiatric hospital in Tahiti after twice trying to take her own life. And despite their many attempts to get her back into the States, she remained where she was and the judge stopped their efforts. 
Without her, the prosecution could no longer prove that the murder was premeditated, meaning Christian couldn't be charged with first-degree murder and was instead presented with a plea. So in 1991, Christian Brando pleaded guilty to manslaughter and was sentenced to 10 years in prison. In 1995, a year before Christian was released from prison, Cheyenne tragically took her own life after losing custody of the son she was pregnant with the night of the murder. In 1996, Christian was released and enrolled in a community college in New Hampshire, and then, a year later, moved to Washington State for a few years to work as a tree cutter and artistic welder. But if he thought he was out of the spotlight and could live a quiet life, he was sorely mistaken. In 2004, when Robert Blake was brought to trial for the 2001 murder of his wife, Bonnie Lee Bakley, information was presented that exposed Christian's relationship with Bonnie and possible involvement in her murder, suggesting he had more of a motive to kill Bonnie than Robert did, and claiming that he was the father of Bonnie's child. DNA cleared him of paternity, but according to trial testimony, Bonnie continued to claim that Christian was the father. Enraged, he apparently said, somebody should put a bullet in that bitch's head and told Bonnie she was lucky someone hadn't already killed her. Nothing came of this, especially after they found out that he had been in Washington State at the time of her murder. But just a year later, he pleaded no contest to a spousal abuse charge for his then-wife, Deborah, and was given probation. Some still believe he was involved with Bonnie's murder. Christian Brando died of pneumonia on January 26th 2008 at the age of just 49. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on May 17th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. <laughs>